Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, I mean, you're always, you're always going to have some form of drama. I've learned that even just... The NFL is just more drama in general than college, no matter where you're at. But you're right. I mean, there's been a lot. And, uh, yeah, to your point, I do think that has to change. And, um, you know, that's something that we need to work on for sure. So you can't always be in the headlines. You just got to go play football. And that's where we're trying to get. And I, I have no doubt we'll get there. They may get there. It's going to take a little work. It's going to take a little time. It's going to take a little effort. It's going to take a critical decision to be made by someone in Jacksonville as to who the next head coach of the team will be. The news came while many of us, including me, were sound asleep. The announcement from owner Shad Khan, I think Chris is the first time I've ever seen an announcement of a firing of a coach begin with the name of the interim Coach, the first two words of the announcement are Daryl Bevel. I don't think we needed any more than that. The announcement should have just been Daryl Bevel. Because we get the point (laughs) when you start an announcement with Daryl Bevel. So, Shad Khan fires Urban Meyer. We're going to talk a lot about it. There's a lot to digest, to understand how they got there, where they go from here. But, Chris... The house was crumbling. It was time. After yesterday's report that Urban Meyer kicked Josh Lambeau, the team's former kicker, prior to a practice in August, once that got out, once that caught fire, once it became clear what the implications of that were, it had to happen when it did. Had to. Had to. Uh, Agreed. I mean, it certainly had to happen sometime in the the near future. I mean, I I think that's at least the way I looked. I didn't know if it would happen this week maybe a week or two, whatever, but uh, certainly thought that was a big nail in the coffin. I mean, come on. It's one thing after another ever since he's taken over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Shad Khan's been actually, I mean, very patient and really dealt with a lot. Uh, it really has. And, you know, when you go start getting to like 
workplace abuse, I think that's when it goes up to another level of like dysfunction or, you know, again, I don't know any time. I, I can't even think of stories, you know, in, in the history of my life of covering football where, you know, a coach was telling other coaches you're a loser and you suck and I don't know why you hired you. And now he's, you know, physically beating up a guy or, or trying to make a point by giving him a shot. Uh, doesn't make sense. Not a good look for him. Not going to fly in the NFL. It might fly in college when it's young kids and they don't know what they're, you know, signed up for and they're just happy to beat Ohio State and Florida and, and all that. But these are grown men. And that's where it seemed like it just never sunk in with Urban Meyer. That's the big question for me, and I want to just press pause on the Urban Meyer failure in Jacksonville discussion and say, given some of the things we've learned in the course of the last five days, how bad, how ugly, how allegedly, because again, he allegedly kicked Josh Lambeau. Meyer denies it. He allegedly engaged in these interactions with assistant coaches, calling them losers. Meyer denies it. What would the allegations be if someone were to write a tell-all book about his time at Ohio State? How much stuff did he get away with there? Because I don't think he just woke up one day and became this finished product. The guy who was successful at Ohio State, probably the same guy that burned out in dramatic and stunning fashion in the NFL. Yeah, I I would think so. I would think there's some stories, you know, uh, as far as, you know, Yeah, crossing the line. But again, when you're in college as a young kid, you don't know necessarily what crossing the line is at times. You've been taught to respect your elders, respect your coach, you know, mom and dads and grandpas and uncles and everybody are teaching you that. You went to high school, you listened to the coach, the gym teacher, your teachers. So you don't know any different at that point. And you're just going, wow, he's tough on me. He's crazy. But it goes back to our conversation again where, you know, in the NFL – as far as the coaching goes, it's a little bit more of, let's say, a democracy. And in the, in, in the college, it's, you know, it's, it's an oligarchy or, or whatever you want to say. What's the word I'm looking for there? I mean, either it's way. It's a dictatorship. Dictatorship. Exactly. Thank you. That was the work, uh, word I was looking for. Yeah, that's what college is. And pl- players are s- afraid to speak out or say anything negative in college because, you know, a college coach – if he's the man like Urban Meyer, can run you out of town in, in no time. He's, he's a part of the big money-making machine. He's successful. He's got the backing of all the boosters, the presidents of the school, and he's just got all the power that, that you could you know, need to bully people. Uh, and I'm sure we'll hear stories filter out as, as time goes here. And there have been stories about other coaches and the things that they have done to players who have fallen out of favor. And that's the key. And it used to be this way. It's easier now to transfer. Used to be you had to sit out a year unless you were going to drop down to a lower level of the sport. Well, if your guy's got designs on playing in the NFL, you don't want to sit out a year to get away from this coach. What do you do? Yeah, that's right. You coexist with him. You give him what he wants. If he kicks you in the leg during warm-ups... You you say you there's another leg too. Go ahead and kick my other leg. So that that's and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not trust me. I'm not saying it's fine. It's not fine. It's wrong. At the NFL level, you can't get away with it. The guys there aren't gonna tolerate it. And this is something that I've been struggling with ever since I woke up at four thirty this morning, not intentionally. 
part of my routine has become that if I wake up at some point before my alarm goes off, I slink out of the bedroom and I finish my sleep in a guest room. So when my alarm goes off, it doesn't wake up my wife. I've been doing that what for a great so husband. long now. What I've been doing husband. that for so long right. now that even on days when I don't have the show, force of habit, if I wake up between four and five, I just get up and stumble out of the room. And then I finally realize, oh, wait, the alarm's not going to go off this morning. But I saw... The tweets, I saw the text messages from the folks with PFT. Curtis Crabtree wrote the story last night. That's one of the nights where it's perfect to have someone on duty when everyone else is asleep. But it's like, all right, let's get to it. Let's go. And it hit me. And and this is what's so odd about it. The thing that was the final straw happened in late August. It was reported to the team the day after it happened. It was reported by Josh Lambeau's agent, to the team's legal counsel. Now, assuming that it wasn't buried and hidden and there wasn't fear, we can't tell Mr. Khan about this, assuming he knew about it, it really is odd that it got buried for as long as it did by the Jaguars and by the league. At some point, doesn't this get reported to the league? I think just the mere fact that it was reported to the team because it's a personal conduct policy violation. It's workplace violence. Yeah, right. It is. It is. Right. It is. Yeah, he didn't shoot him. He didn't hit him with a baseball bat like Al Capone in the Untouchables, but it's still workplace violence. Yeah. And Josh Lambeau said on a scale of 1 to 10, it was like a 5. Well, right. that's a pretty good kick then. A 5, when 10 is the hardest you can kick somebody, 5 is the kind of thing you shouldn't be doing in any workplace. So this all just, like, disappeared. And... I, you know, how many of these stories have we had over the last five or six weeks, Chris, where if so-and-so doesn't say something, if a report doesn't emerge, if yeah. this doesn't, we'd never know. Yeah, if no, Josh Lambert doesn't go public, we'd never know he got kicked in the leg by Urban Meyer. And maybe he should have been fired for it before week one of the season even began. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I, I mean, it, it's justifiable. I'll say that. But, you know, late August, there's still the honeymoon phase. Everybody was excited about Urban Meyer. He was getting used to the NFL. They could probably at that point chalk it up a little bit to like, he does, it's the NFL. He's still getting used to it a little bit. You know, I think a reasonable mind probably could go there. Even, you know, a Shad Khan, an owner, whatever. But two, like for an NFL kicker to be telling people this, you know, in public, it had to be a significant kick. Something where you didn't just like laugh and giggle. I mean, that, that's for sure. I mean, again, you know, I'm not trying to say the kickers of the world or the Ray Lewis's of the world, all right? They're like, they're not the, the toughest people on earth, but they're, they're not wimps. And if, like, you went by as a coach and, you know, hey, they're on one knee stretching and you knocked them over or did something like that, they'd laugh. You know, if you gave them a little elbow as you'd walk by, they'd laugh, just like every other football player. But this had to be to an extent to where the guy went, whoa, like, what the, you know, what the hell? Like, that, that hurt? And these are my damn legs that I kick with. And it was unnecessary. And I'm sure there, you know, I would think, too, within that, there had been an attitude uh, about it that goes with it for that significant kick. And, uh, you know, I guess the, that's how I look at it. But, yeah, it, I think they were still in that honeymoon phase there where they were, you know, giving them a little grace period of getting used to NFL life. Okay, fine. Yeah. 
let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt that yeah. they shouldn't have been immediately alarmed and taken immediate action to rectify the situation. Yeah. Whether it's termination, suspension, public admonishment, whatever. And you're right. There's a certain element of self-preservation that comes into this, too, because Shad Khan's the guy that had to hire Urban Meyer. And when you make a bad business decision, your first inclination isn't to share that with the world. Right. You don't want to embarrass right. yourself. Because, look, Chris, I remember how the dominoes were falling back in January. No one was trying to hire Urban Meyer. There wasn't a competition for his services. I'm told he ultimately got something in the neighborhood of $6.5 million per year. That just shows you he didn't have the leverage that these other A-list coaches have. Right. Of all people, Chris Spielman. A former Ohio State player, a guy who has spoken out favorably in support of Urban Meyer in the past, takes over the Detroit Lions. They don't even mention the possibility of Urban Meyer getting radar. an interview, right. a whisper, a whiff. He's nowhere. Right. But Shad Khan's the guy that has to have him. And I understand every move Shad Khan had made when it came to hiring coaches the traditional way, the NFL guys from Mike Malarkey to Gus Bradley to Doug Marone, the guys who who bubble up through the normal process had failed. So maybe he was at George Costanza do the opposite time, but he had to have Meyer. So I think that made it harder. And this is a human dynamic. It made it harder for Khan to say to the world, look how badly... Yeah. I screwed this up. Yeah, I think so too, Mike. I I, I do think, you know, of course, yeah, that would be, you know, the normal human reaction. And what I'll add on to that, Mike, I think with everything you said, and I think it's very true, is, hey, you know, part of the reason Urban Meyer was hired in Jacksonville is because, hey, we, we know this. It's SEC country. Urban Meyer's a legend in northern Florida. He's a legend. So not anymore. No, not anymore. That's right. But that's what has I anyone would, done more damage? Has right. anyone done more damage? So has fallen so far. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, but it's just occurred good. to me. Yeah. Has any coach fallen so far from one of the greatest no. of all time at the college level to complete and total? What the hell were you even doing here in the first place? Laughing stock at the NFL. That swing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I, I can't is. think of anybody else that's I, ever had a fall like that. I can't really think of anyone either. I can't. You know, I mean, again, yeah, it's – but, yeah, you go through the Jimmy Johnsons, the Dennis Ericksons, whoever, Pete Carroll. I mean, no, you know, I mean, I, yeah, it's hard to think of anything like that, anything as dysfunctional as this. I mean, even, like, the Bobby Petrino thing, you know, th it wasn't this. Everything was good. I mean, nobody was like, okay, yeah, this guy's a little crazy, whatever, but then he just left town and it was over. It wasn't like – dysfunctional story after dysfunctional story after dysfunctional story and I think when you're the Jacksonville Jaguars yeah you add up the things that maybe went on during training camp all those rumors and then okay the season goes along and man it's you know a lot of mistakes along the way there and then this story gets brought up about what happened at the end of August I think that goes, okay, wait, you know, end of August, we swept it under the rug. We chalked it up to he's getting used to the NFL. We got a little more information. And as you could see here, you know, with the urban legend graphic that to, to, to show us that, wait, this, this guy's got some issues. Like there's real issues here. And oh no, the kicking thing's coming back up again. Uh-oh, wait, we forgot how messed up that was. All right, it is totally dysfunctional. See ya, Urban Meyer, Daryl Bevel. Or, or even 
more than that, it's not that we'd forgotten about it. It's that people know about people it. People know about it. That's right. And yeah, when they right. did when they didn't know about it, it was easy to look the other way. Yeah. Now that they know about it, and it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword here. They had to do something about it. Oh, and by the way, they were probably glad to have a last straw after everything else that went on over the weekend. Here's one more thing that gives us the cover to finally say this guy's out it's done you, it's over we're not just going to wait till the end of the season and yeah. remember the same day this happened is the day that the nfl officially and formally adopted a rule that already had been communicated to the teams back in october it made no sense they voted on it yesterday but you can now start hiring assistants from other teams with permission of those yeah. teams with two weeks left in the regular season as long as you don't have a head coach so clear the decks out he goes. We knew we were going to do it anyway. He's gone. Right. And now we can start planning our next eventual failure when it comes to hiring a coach. You know, Mike, I hope I that's not the case. Well, right. I, you know, I, well, this is – I want to ask you because I don't think we've even discussed this. Um, and I know that Shad Khan put up some statements, you know, the last two weeks that maybe made, you, made both of us or everybody think like, oh, I don't know, maybe Urban Meyer will make it here. You no, know. no. He said something. No, he said something Monday well, that caused me to believe. Number one, yeah, all options are on the table. And number two, he understands the fundamental difference between losing with anonymity and losing with constant drama. Yeah. And he met with reporters on Monday night. It was a pre-planned event weeks in advance, right. commemorating the 10-year anniversary of his purchase of the team. Yeah. And when you look at everything he said, there was an AP article where, as you would say, reading between the tea leaves, I got the impression, yeah, that he was that he was going to do what he thought was right for the team yeah. and termination of Urban Meyer was a real possibility. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, I just wanted to know what your your thought was there because I, I you know, I'm, I'm on record at least on radio and things like that of going like, I, I don't think it's going to be more than one year. It didn't look like it. You know, I think Shad Khan made some comments the last two weeks, you know, before that Monday little press conference you're talking about where, you know, I think people started to second guess like, oh, maybe Urban Meyer is going to be here for another year. But you know, I think you talk to people around the league who kind of are in the know and and talk to the the power players a little bit. The sense was that it was it was trouble. It was trouble there, and it's just one thing after another. I mean, even little things again, like hey, hey last week, you know, Trevor Lawrence going, why isn't our best running back? Why isn't our best player playing? What's the deal with that? You know, I just they're they're just we we've lost sight of little things that I think we would go. That's a little weird. That that's going on because he's had so many big things. We just went like, oh, the hell with the little things. Let's on to the next big story, big controversy, you know, big um, and dysfunction story. And uh, it's so long, Urban Meyer. But you're right. I don't know if I've ever seen a legend fall so fast in my life as far as coaching is concerned. There was a sense back in October that it was going to happen yeah. after he abandoned his post. And people... And I'm not blaming anyone, but it's easy to get it all twisted up. It wasn't some sort of a finger wag, pearl clutch, how dare you be photographed in public with someone other than your wife. It was about him not flying back to Jacksonville with the team. And I don't think anyone explained it better than Hall of Fame head coach Tony Dungy, who said, look, th that's your team. You've got to be on that plane. Yeah. Anything can happen on that flight. You can have an argument between a player and a member of the coaching staff. You can have a fight among teammates. Somebody can get sick. There may be a weather issue and the plane gets delayed. 
You're the captain of the ship. That's right. And you didn't get on the ship. That's right. It's not a question of going down with the ship. You didn't even get on the ship. Yeah. No, it, it's I've never heard of it again. You know, I know we talked about it back then. and it's, I've never heard of it ever at, at any level, college or the NFL. I mean, certainly not the NFL. You know, in college, okay, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe a coach leaves to go somewhere to recruit a player, whatever. But it, it's, it's unheard of, really. You know, for all the reasons you talked about, for the emotional reasons also, as far as a loss or concern, yeah, there's something about, hey, you're in that first half of the plane. You could see up there at the front of the plane where the coaches are. You could see the, the, the way the head coach is holding himself, you know, as far as whether it was a win or a loss. And that rubs off on the team. You know, you sit there and you look at a guy, oh, man, he's somber, but he's still strong and, you know, got, you know, being a leader. That doesn't happen. It's just a bad look altogether. It really is. He failed to really recognize what the NFL was all about. I really think he thought it was like, hey, this is cool. 32 teams. This is great big show they call the NFL. And what he realized was, is no, the NFL is like more nitty gritty than college. It's grind. It's scheme. It's be creative. It's think outside the box. It's not just, hey, I want this guy. I'm going to schmooze his mom and his dad and be able to say whatever the hell I want to a bunch of young kids. And they're going to listen. It's just not that way. And especially not when you're a first year you know, NFL head coach and you're coaching some guys who have been around the NFL longer than you and understand the NFL way, along with the assistant coaches who have greater experience in the NFL. And he kind of came in like he knew how to run things and, you know, all the rest of these guys are a bunch of idiots. And I think that's what probably, you know, wore out this Jacksonville Jaguar organization. Another thing that hovered over Meyer from the get-go, and I know that college football is a visual medium, and you have to have a certain look on the sideline as a head coach. And I know other than those moments where he like collapsed to the ground at Ohio State, yeah, you know, th- there yeah. wasn't this sense that he looked like a doofus or he just looked well, – now, if you're winning every game, you've got no reason to adopt a, a demeanor that suggests you're wondering why in the hell you did this. But that was the the gag back to the the, the preseason – and, and this is where a coach has to be constantly aware of the image that he's creating for the cameras that are sending those pictures into millions of homes. And then beyond that, millions of views on YouTube, gifts that are made, whatever the case may be. And I remember that Saints preseason game. He looked miserable. Yeah, that's right. And maybe you can say, well, I'm not miserable. That's just how I am. No, he looked miserable. He had that look on his face of what am I getting myself into why did i do this i had a good life at fox there were no wins and losses i was making decent money i could have done that for another 15 or 20 years why did i do this there was constantly that vibe in the images the videos and i guess it's fitting chris that the last image we have of urban meyer as a coach in the nfl yeah is his handshake with mike vrabel yeah because that pretty much sums up the entirety of the demeanor of Urban Meyer right there. That's it. Make it a poster and hang it on a wall somewhere where no one has to see it. Yeah, no, I agreed. It certainly wasn't the best look or the look you'd like to see from a leader or your head coach. You know, the head coach has got to always exude confidence, calmness. You know, wait, we got this situation under control. 
all right, hey, the game's not good, but okay, hey, there's positives here. We're going to work on the negatives. I mean, they got to send a message to the team, not only with their words, but how they handle themselves on a daily basis. And I mean, when you just add together, I think the stories of like we talked about, I think that was yesterday or the day before training camp, leaving early. I mean, do you think like the players didn't realize that like Urban Meyer was leaving like at a early time in the at night, six o'clock, seven o'clock? It's unheard of, you know? So I think all those things you added up and how can you really have the belief of your team with all these stories, the way he's treated people? Uh, it's just been an issue. And listen, I... I also think, hey, I'll, I'll throw this out there. And I, of course, this guy's never going to admit this, but I mean, the fact that the quarterback broke the the huddle down grinding after the Ohio State, I mean, the Ohio thing where Urban stayed there, I, I think that told you a lot right there that they were willing to take a shot at him in the whole t in the middle of the field. Even the rookie quarterback was willing to that. Even sh that I mean, again. You know, Bill Belichick did something stupid or, you know, some other good coach in the NFL. I don't think the players would have the guts to do something like that with him or the other coaches on the field. But he had done so many weird, dysfunctional things at that time that I think he'd, he had already lost the respect. So they didn't give a damn. And they were going to go, yeah, break it down, grinding. I mean, that to me said a lot uh, as far as the situation and how they viewed him. Yeah, I don't remember any videos from 2007 where they broke down the huddle one, two, three, Spygate. I don't recall. Well, anything that's what like I mean, that. right? It's, I don't yeah. ever really remember anything like no, that. No, no, I'm being sarcastic. But yeah, yeah, I know yeah, you are, yeah. but you're right, right? Yeah, yeah, because you know, you you go, okay, he messed up, Bill Belichick. Oh, he messed up, whatever. But man, he does everything else right. So the, the players weren't going to like take a shot at Bill. They respected everything he did. You know, and I think we could probably find other instances where maybe a coach had a little a hiccup or a trip on the west, you know, a stumble on the way with some, you know, certain situation, and players didn't do that. Absolutely not. I mean, that was a that was an in your face, like very brave, like shot at the coach, and I, I do think it speaks volumes a little bit. I thought it did at the time. And also how he reacted to it, and we don't know this, but he probably was upset about it, which makes it even worse. Instead of finding a way to laugh about it, poke fun at yourself, all right, now let's get back to work. Let's, yeah, let's focus yeah. on what we need to do. 2007, I mentioned in relation to Spygate, that was the year that happened, 14 years ago, soon to be 15. I am somewhat competent at math. <laughs> Bobby Petrino was the coach of the Falcons in 2007. You mentioned him earlier, and yeah. his tenure was a disaster, but his tenure wasn't him in this pinball machine of self-inflicted exactly. wounds. Exactly, right. It, it, he, what, what happened three months after he took the job? Yeah, right. They found a dogfighting operation at right. Michael Vick's property in Surrey County, Virginia. Yeah. So there was a cloud over the Falcons not created by Petrino from yes. the moment he arrived. He thought he was getting Mike Vick. He right. didn't get Mike Vick. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why he got the hell out of Dodge in December. There wasn't that same constant, no, well, not no, even how's Petrino right. going to last? There right. was never even a sense he was going to get fired after that season. No. That season was a mulligan. Right. It was a mess right. through no fault of his. No, you're right. It's a totally different circumstance. As much as you want to look at that and say it's dysfunctional, it doesn't even come close to measuring up to, you know, Urban Meyer stay at Jacksonville. It's not even comparable. It really isn't. You know, you didn't hear anything like that. You know, you can even get into like Greg Schiano, right? You, you talk about, hey, there's another college guy. That was viewed as a, a mistake for him to go to college and, and all that. But it wasn't because like 
he didn't handle himself professionally. His was actually like the opposite. It was just a little too much like Army General, Navy General, get your toes on the line, put your – and the players were like, what the hell are you talking about here? We're ready to run. Like my toe's an inch away from the line. It has to be on the line. You know, I, that that's where he wore them thin. So, yeah, I can't think of anything – that's even comparable to this. And you're right. The Petrino thing, he got thrown into dysfunction. He wasn't part of the dysfunction. The college coaching dynamic, because there's there's always this conversation. A guy who's been a lifetime or almost all of his lifetime coach at the college level coming to the NFL, it really is two different worlds. Chris, we talk about that all the time. Yep. At the college level, it's driven by talent and recruiting. At the NFL level, it's driven by schemes and working and yeah. working and studying yourself, studying your opponent, looking for any little edge yes. that you can get. And even then, it's still beyond your control. The things that determine whether you win or lose games ultimately fall beyond your control unless you're Bill Belichick and you find a way to even control those things. But that's one of the reasons why Nick Saban was so miserable at the NFL level. It didn't fit his skill set. Right, right. His skill set is to go out and get the best possible players, coach them up. You still got to coach them up. Yeah. But you coach up the best possible players, they're going to go out there and kick the crap out of everybody. That's right, right. And you don't have to constantly be searching for a little edge here and a little edge there. Yeah. And it requires work. And this gets back to Meyer leaving at 6 o'clock. That, that was one of the stories that was making the rounds after everybody felt like it was open season on Urban Meyer, how right. he didn't work very hard. But if you've never worked at the NFL level, you don't know the culture. That, that's the problem. When you get smitten with a guy who made his bones at the college level, succeeded at a high level at the college level, and never worked in the NFL, how do you expect him to walk through the door and, and figure it all out? And what he needs to do, and this is where you need to humble yourself if you're Urban Meyer, He's hired all these NFL assistants. At some point, you got to get in a room with them and say, hey, guys, you know, we're, we got the potential to have something here. But I have to understand how it works here. I know yeah, how it works in right. Columbus. Check I know how it works in Gainesville. Right, yeah. you got you to show, yeah. you got to help me understand right. your world. Right. And once I figure out your world, we're going to go kick some ass. Yeah. That's what he needed to do, and I bet he never did it. I, it. It doesn't seem that way. You're right. It seemed like he just went away. I know what I'm doing. I've been coaching football forever. And, you know, you explained it, right? It's a different animal. It's the NFL. It's, it's, it's the, the, the difference, you know, we talk about this all the time. We see these upsets and we go, how did this happen? And I want to go, because it's the NFL. The difference between the worst team and the best team in football is like four or five plays. It's 10 plays in a year. You know, we saw the Jets. We saw the Jets beat the Tennessee Titans. I mean, nobody would have thought that, right? No way. How does that happen? Yeah, because it's a different game. And a coach has a good week of thinking outside the box and you grind and you grind and you grind to find that little, oh, wait, I think we got a four or five play advantage here by some of the things we came up with in the game plan this week. And that's how you separate yourself. Yeah, I mean, of course we know, you know teams with better players have an advantage, but still, it's still so close that you got to look for every little advantage, whether it's you know, again, how you evaluate college kids, how you evaluate free agency to get other pros on your football team. And then the thinking of, wait, what are we as a team this year? Because it's not like we're just going to say, oh, this is how we're going to play for the next five years. I'm in college. What are we as this year? Because I lost these players in free agency in the draft. How are we going to figure it out to come back to be the best team for this season with this uh, recipe of players I have here? And that's where it's just a totally different ball game. And, yeah, few from the college level have figured that out. I mean, I think we could probably go on one hand 
Jimmy Johnson, Pete Carroll. I don't know who else am I missing, but it's 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 a very short list. Pete Carroll had years in the NFL. Yeah, that's right too. He already he knew back. exactly right. Exactly right, Mike. You're right. He was yeah. the guy that the Vikings should have hired in 1984 when Bud Grant retired. Instead, they hired Les Steckel. They had a debacle so bad that Bud Grant came back after a three that's and thirteen right. season Forgot under about Les that. Steckel. They should have just right. hired Pete Carroll right. then. But but Jimmy Johnson is the only guy. And this is what's funny to me because another part of the debate that's happening because people are saying that the NFL media industrial complex is against these college coaches. We're looking to tear them down and bring them down. The opposite is true. There's a very real trend in our business to apply lips to the buttocks of the college coach who makes the leap in the event that he does become the next Jimmy Johnson. If you kissed his ass on the way in, you get access to him once he becomes Jimmy Johnson. So just look around. Every college coach, ever, from Shiano to Chip Kelly, they all are oh, whoa, a potential genius here. Yeah. Oh, this guy's going to work. This right. guy's going to be great. And what do we see time after time? It's failure, failure, failure. Fair. I know Chip Kelly took the Eagles to the playoffs, but he lasted three years in Philadelphia and one year with the 49ers. He was back to the college level. Right. So, I, I, and we know how cyclical and copycat the NFL can be. This Urban Meyer thing probably has set back the efforts and inclinations of owners to hire college coaches by five to ten years. It's going to be a while until there's another hot college coach that some NFL owner has to have, Chris. Yeah, no, and you know, I, I, I you know, you're, you're right. I, there is this sense that, yeah, uh, I, I've seen it a little too, that people think, oh, yeah, the, the NFL media is out to get, you know, the new college guy. Like, that's what a, it's, you're exactly right, what a bunch of BS. I mean, it really is. No. I mean, the NFL glorifies these guys a lot of times because everyone, oh, the college game's trickling in the NFL. Oh, my gosh, this is, what's this guy going to do here in the NFL? I mean, Cliff Kingsbury had a less than record as a college coach. Nobody tore him down when they hired him at Arizona. People questioned it a little bit, but it wasn't like an assault to like, let's get this guy out of here. That's a ridiculous thought. It really is. The problem is, and the difference is, again, it goes back to the democracy dictatorship thing. You know, in college football, you're one of what? 128 teams in Division I football? You can, you can hide on, you know, you can hide a little bit. You really only have to worry about the local media. You know, on an everyday basis. Oh, it's a big game. Now it's a little bit of a national thing. But even on a national level, it's not even comparable to the NFL. Nowhere near. Not even close. Look at the ratings on TV for college football in the NFL. It's not even comparable. It's in a different stratosphere. And there's only 32 teams. So there's always national media around, let alone, you know, big market media because most of the 32 teams are in the biggest markets in our country. So that's why this happens. It has nothing to do with, oh, it's a college guy and we got to, you know, put him in his place and show him that he's not ready for the NFL. But malarkey, malarkey. You're right. Fewer teams, higher profile. The ratings, I, the, the Ohio State-Michigan game, the highest rated college game of the year, and I think it was like 18 million people that watched it. Right. They had 38 and a half million watch Raiders-Cowboys exactly. on Thanksgiving. Right. Not comparable. Not comparable. You mentioned you mentioned Kingsbury, and you know he's a guy who never coached at the NFL level, and he's doing pretty well, although his first two years were shaky, and it helps to have Kyler Murray. But he played with five different NFL teams as a quarterback. That's right. So, 
he had an understanding yeah. of how the NFL works. He he did a year with the Patriots. That's a right. A Super Bowl year with the Patriots. I know. He has an idea of how it works at the NFL level. A hundred percent. But Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, no experience at the NFL level. A friendship with Bill Belichick, which is pretty ironic when you consider there couldn't be a greater difference between two coaches than Belichick and Meyer. Maybe that's why they were, they're friendly. But uh, Meyer, no experience as a player, no experience as a coach, shows up and thinks he has all the answers, and the NFL is going to bend to his will. The reality is you got to bend to the will of the NFL because the NFL has been there. It's going to be there with you or without you. And if you don't get it done, you are going to be done, Chris. Yeah. And uh, that 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 and and this is this is both Meyer and to a certain extent, this is Shad Khan. And this isn't just him, it's other owners who have that that hubris of becoming billionaires in some other line of work. And they look at pro football and they think, I can figure that out. I figured out this. I figured, you know, I, I, I turned nothing into a billion dollar company. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And a lot of times these guys show up and they think they have all the answers and they have all these people around them who defer and they don't question. Wouldn't Shad Khan have benefited from someone in that organization to say, we need to do a little more research on Urban Meyer. There's a few things that, you know, a few, a few stories that may not hold water. There may be some stuff here. There may be reason here to be concerned about whether or not this guy's going to show up and have the desired effect on your team. And it's easy for us to say that now, but come on. Didn't, I mean, look, but what, the, the, the convenient health excuses that pop up whenever he wants to get out of Dodge, the question about the, the misconduct at Ohio State with a member of his staff and what he knew and when he knew it. Yeah. There were plenty of red flags out there to balance out the success he had as a coach. And, and these owners would greatly benefit from having someone who can speak hard truths and ask tough questions and, too many of them don't have that, and it creates these dysfunctional messes. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. You know, again, it's it's kind of a thing of our culture. If if you've made a billion dollars, then you know all the answers in the world. That's just the way it is. I read to this point, and yeah, that's, that's a challenge I'd like to have. To I, face I wouldn't at some mind point. it either. Please give me a billion, I remember, and I'll try I, to figure I, I remember, that out. <laughs> I remember when Tony Grossi, when he was with the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and I felt bad for him. He accidentally tweeted what he meant to be a direct message, and he referred to Randy Lerner, then the owner of the Browns, as the world's most irrelevant billionaire. And I said, "Damn, I'd love to have that title." <laughs> yeah, seriously, uh, you give it to me too. All right, so wait. Last thing, I, I know we got to wind this conversation down at some point, or at least I'm running out of things to say. I'll say that much, but I mean. Uh, I think we both agree Urban Meyer, no way he's coaching again, right? This is it. Correct. I, I can't imagine that co even any college is going to deal with him. What, now the next thing is, does he even get a TV job again? Does he even get on TV again like he had at Fox for their you know, college Saturdays and everything? Does that even happen ever again? Well, you know, in the aftermath of John Gruden stepping away from the Raiders after the horrible racist, homophobic, misogynistic, transphobic emails came out. I said in a few years, he'll end up working for a sports book. I mean, there's going to be crazy money and crazy opportunities in sports media as these sports books all jump into the fray of creating content. So somebody may not be a mainstream three-letter network, but somebody's going to give Urban Meyer the chance 
to make money talking about college football. Just stay away from the NFL. No one's going to want to hear Urban Meyer talk about the NFL. Yeah, right. But he's still one of the great college coaches of all time. Yep. Warts and all, flaws and all. And and before we put this completely to rest, I don't want to give short shrift to the claim that Josh Lambeau made. Because you you mentioned it. The guy's, he's a kicker. And he's warming up for practice. And he gets kicked in his moneymaker by the head coach. A scale of five on the one to 10 normal range of, you know, easiest to hardest. That's a big deal. Big and deal. you, 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 you mentioned the, the commentary and we didn't get into that. What, what Josh Lambeau said now, and, and this, you know, I'm not going to say the word that you said yesterday and apparently it didn't get bleeped by sky. Apparently there must've been a great premier league <laughs> Sorry. match on yesterday. <laughs> Sorry. And UK the guy on the button didn't bleep the S bomb that Chris inadvertently Boom. or intentionally Got it uttered. Through. Woo. Yes. So when, <laughs> when urban Meyer kicked Josh Lambeau, he allegedly said, Hey, dip S make your effing kicks. And he kicked him in the leg. That's when Lambeau said to Meyer, don't you ever effing kick me again. And his response was, I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the F I want. And again, Meyer denies this, and it's immaterial at this point. Meyer's gone. But man, just wow. Wow. And it's amazing to me that it didn't get acted on immediately. And questions I'm trying to get the answer to. We kind of danced around this earlier. Yeah. The, The Jaguars were informed the day after by Lambeau's agent. Did they report this to the league? The league has no comment and all that that may or may not imply. I've asked the Jaguars, did you report this to the league when it happened? We'll see what their response is. But, you know, this is an incident of workplace violence at a time when the sport has evolved past that, or at least we'd like to think it has. We all have stories of coaches laying hands or kicking. You know, I've told you this before. One of the reasons I never stop, one of the reasons I constantly go One of the reasons I am wired to work myself into an early grave is because when I played grade school football, if you stood around for too long, you got kicked in the ass by the coach. And I'm telling you, and I probably need therapy for this, 45 years later, I will not stand around because a cleat is going to hit me in the ass if I do. And some would say, oh, that helped make you who you are. Well, yeah, but it also messed me up a little bit. And, and I'd like to think that the sport has moved past that. So when something like this happens, it really strikes a chord for me, and it makes me wonder whether people did the right thing. And it sure looks like it got tucked away in, you know, right next to the yeah. Dan Snyder Washington football team file. Let's just forget about this. Pay right. no attention to the man behind the curtain. But, you know, look, it, it finally came to light, and, and I hope there's more of a discussion about it, and it doesn't get forgotten simply because Meyer got fired. No, I know. And, and you know, I think the other thing that you, we, we need to stress off of, you know, I'm glad you went back to Lambeau in the story. You're right, because we didn't really hit what he said. This is, this, is the, this is, to me, like the big thing. I mean, this is, Josh Lambeau wants jobs in the NFL. This, this just doesn't happen very much. We're a guy says something like that about a coach you know that you're not you're viewed as a tattletale if you went you know too crazy on telling a story like that and other coaches wouldn't want to deal with you you know you're in danger of doing that but I think this was significant enough and he probably knew that enough people saw it and of course it sounds like it was documented that he felt comfortable at this point to say it also knowing that you know, hey, the tide had turned and most of the NFL world, media, everybody had looked at like, whoa, this this Urban Meyer thing is totally dysfunctional and crazy to where he finally 
had the guts or the ability to talk about it. But like these things don't happen very often, especially for a guy who's not in the, the most secure job environment you know, in, in the country as far as jobs are concerned. So uh, I think that just tells you how significant of a kick it was and how crazy things were there in, in Jacksonville too. I remember when Parcells took over in Miami, one of the first things he did was get rid of Jay Feely because kickers should be seen and never heard. Yeah. You come out and kick, right. otherwise i got no use for you. Right. So there are going to be plenty of coaches who aren't going to want to have Josh Lambeau around. Now, he'd been unemployed since he was let go by the Jaguars, yeah. But the, his phone's not going to ring today. He, he did something very brave because he's basically slammed the door on any opportunities right. he would have in the NFL, unless Daryl Bevel needs a kicker. But Daryl Bevel may be grateful for what, and I say that somewhat facetiously, but for the most part, you, you've got the scarlet letter now. You don't have a skill that is sufficiently rare to justify bringing in a guy that may cause me trouble here or in the future. Right. There are too many guys who yeah. can kick a football between the uprights or punt it 60 yards. The supply far outweighs the demand. So it was brave and honorable that Lambeau did it. And, uh, you know, I bet he wrestled with it. I bet he struggled sure. with it through the incident in October. Right. And, you know, when's the right time to come out and, and just basically protect people in the organization from being bullied verbally or being hit, kicked, struck, have something thrown at them, whatever it is Urban Meyer would have done as the ship sank inevitably. And, you know, he, 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 may, he, may, have, he may have helped some people there avoid uh, some ugly, awkward exchanges as this thing was disintegrating because it otherwise was. I, I think this was yeah. going to happen after the season anyway. Agreed. It's good that Josh Lambeau helped bring it to a head now. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, I, you know, I, because it's so dysfunctional, there and it was so bad I I don't think I think other coaches will look at him and, and I think there'll be enough out there to where you know he, he'll get other opportunities because I, I think the NFL, I hope so yeah I hope so because I, I think so. I think there's enough coaches and people out there that realize like Urban Meyer was in way over his head and things were crazy down there and I don't think they'll hold this against Josh Lambeau because they're gonna go what he kicked you like that hard like because no coach would do that none like nobody would do that so that's where I think, you know, he does get other chances as we go along here. Well, again, let's hope that happens. Yeah. And if nothing else, the USFL coming back in the spring. I mean, look, plenty of guys are going to go there and kick and prove themselves, and they'll get to the NFL that's right. that way. There are going to yep. be more football opportunities for players of, of all kinds. Not many opportunities, though, for Urban Meyer. And this was deserved. I'm shedding no tears. I, kind of, I, I didn't have a real strong gut feeling that this was going to happen. But but back when the thing happened in October and he didn't fly home with the team, it's like, man, there's so, something's not right here. Yeah. And uh, it provided us with plenty of content, plenty of things to discuss and still will. But uh, it's better for the Jaguars to move on. And now, Chris, they, they, they have a decision. This next move is critical for the franchise, and it's extra critical for the development of their young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, how many times do we have the conversation about where you get drafted yeah. out of college, especially as a quarterback, right. has a huge impact on huge. your career. No doubt. Lawrence's rookie season, is it's, it's a waste. It's a waste. Yeah. It's gone. Did he have another year of eligibility? He should have just stayed he at did. Clemson. Yeah, Would've he would have been better off staying at Clemson than to come to, to Jacksonville and live through this morass for a year. And now he's basically back at square one, and they need to make the right hire. And again... You're asking a guy who spent his career 
developing wild success in a different industry altogether to make a decision on who the right coach of the team is going forward. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is a big decision. You're right. And they need to go all in on somebody that is going to make their first round pick, their biggest asset, the guy that everybody looks at as a generational talent in Trevor Lawrence. They got to make sure he looks like that. And I don't know the, you know, the big decision here is, yeah, there's going to be some young offensive coordinator names that are going to get thrown out there, right? And the head coaching conversation, Byron Leftwich, maybe Nathaniel Hackett up in Green Bay. There's others that I'm forgetting about right off the top of my head here right now. But like the decision too within that is, yeah, you want to do that. But, you know, I also look at Jacksonville and go, do, do, do you want to go first time head coach too? You know, you, I, I don't know. They, they got to think about this long and hard because so they, they need some sort of presence that they know can bring this organization together and kind of calm the waters a little bit here so they can get back to being a good football team or a competitive football team. And that's where it's going to be a tough one. They got to balance that out with, I think, you know, wait, who's the right guy to, to bring this all together? And then who's the right guy that can bring our, you know, 20 carat diamond Trevor Lawrence and make him look all shiny and, and, and worth what we, we, we got here. I know I know the perfect guy, and I mentioned his name back in October, and, and we work with him, and he doesn't live far from Jacksonville, uh, but but I doubt that that uh, Tony Dungy is going to unretire after 13 years out of the NFL and repeatedly saying he's done. But that's the first call I would make if I were Shad Khan. And you know what? The first question to Tony would be, "Do you want this job?" The second question would be. Who would you hire if you were me? Yeah. Because that opinion would go a long way no toward helping me make my final decision as to what I need to do. I'm not saying you just automatically hire the guy the coach Dungey would recommend, but who he would recommend would go a long way toward helping me understand. Because who inherited a young quarterback, franchise quarterback, coach got fired early in the guy's career. It's not completely apples to apples, but Tony Dungy yeah. went to coach Peyton Manning. You're right. Manning had three, four years in the NFL. Yeah. And, you know, it, it wasn't going well, or Jim Moore, the elder, wouldn't have gotten fired in 2001. They didn't right. make the playoffs that year. That was the literal playoffs year. Yeah. They didn't make it. Right. And Mora was gone, and Dungy came in and got it under control and delivered a Super Bowl. So, first question, coach, do you want the job? Second, okay, who should I hire? That's the call that Shad Khan should make today. Yeah, no, I, I think so. He's going to have to pick some brains of some people who have been there, done that, and, you know, figure out the right formula for the whole organization. You know, whether that's, you know, again, we'll see where the future goes for Trent Baalke. I don't know how much he's involved in this either. Uh, I don't even know if there is a football operations guy down there in Jacksonville, but they need guys there that they know have been there, done that, that can help him make the decision for this is the proper hire as a head coach for our football team at this point and, and hopefully they can find the right people to to you know supply those resources yeah I'm not letting this become Trent Balky's fiefdom I mean he was just the guy no I know I know no listen I wasn't trying to GM. say anything like that at yeah. all I'm just trying to right, say right. I, I don't but know I'm, where he I'm stands not, yeah 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 I agree with you and that's part of what they're going to have to figure out right. and, you know there may be buyouts and other issues there but 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 the, I I I want someone who's going to be the coach and the guy who takes over the football operation. Let him decide what to do with Trent Baalke. If he's yeah, comfortable keeping right. him around, so be it. But but I, I want a new captain of my ship who will indeed get on the plane when it's time to fly home yeah. 
from all the road games. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we mentioned Cliff Kingsbury. One of his best players may not be available for an extended stretch of the remainder of the season and into the postseason. We'll discuss the status of DeAndre Hopkins when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. For the world's greatest athletes, this is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Cardinals receiver DeAndre Hopkins presumably injured on this play from Monday night's game late in the contest. Landed hard on the ground, had a guy land on top of him. MCL injury. He is expected to undergo surgery in the next few days to repair a torn MCL and will miss roughly six weeks. Could be back for the playoffs late in the playoffs. Any NFC championship game is about when he would be back. That's different from what emerged yesterday, that he would be available at the start of the playoffs, would miss the rest of the regular season. This is a blow for the Cardinals. Not that Hopkins was having those freakish numbers like we saw last year. His numbers somewhat pedestrian in yeah. comparison to what we're accustomed to. But still, his presence That's opens right. up the rest of the offense. It commands attention. He's still one of the best receivers in football. And now the Cardinals are going to have to go through the rest of the regular season and into the postseason competing without a guy who also brings a veteran presence sure. who's played in some playoff games. They're going to need that when everything resets to the higher intensity single elimination round, Chris. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I mean, again, you know, you said it right. They, they can, they can manage this. They got plenty of weapons. They've missed him in certain games this year. You know, they're fine offensively. You know, again, they're going to have chase Edmonds coming back at running back here soon to go along with James Conner. You know, it is A.J. Green who's playing well and Christian Kirk who's dangerous as hell and Rondell Moore who fits in that conversation as well. You know, Ertz a tight end. So they'll find ways, again, to still be dangerous. But I think, like, what, what, what jumps out to me is kind of like what you said. I mean, Hopkins, first off, playoff games, hey, you're playing good defenses. The other defense has a lot of talented football players. You know, Hopkins is one of those guys, again, where for a quarterback – you know, it's, 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 oh, wait, nobody's open. Let me just put it in the general vicinity of this guy. 
I'm, I'm under pressure. Oh, it's a blitz. Everybody's one-on-one. Well, I throw to Hopkins. You know, I, I, you know, Mike, I'm going to, I was talking to Colt McCoy last week, right? The, the backup quarterback for the Cardinals. And he ended up bringing up DeAndre Hopkins. Cause I was like, man, you got so many freaky guys on that team. Like, tell me who's the guy that jumps out. And he kind of went with Hopkins. He just goes, man, his size, he's bigger than you realize. He's got long arms. And he's like, you can just kind of throw it in the general vicinity of the guy, and he's going to catch it. And he goes, it's really unbelievable. So that tells you what kind of, like, physical freak he is. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, again, they'll be okay, but big game against the Bucks or Green Bay in the playoffs, big situation, you'd like to have him on the field because he's the guy that is going to be a mismatch for, for most DBs in the NFL. He leads the team in receiving touchdowns with eight, but 42 catches, 572 yards. That's behind Christian Kirk, who's got 53 catches and 718. Rondell Moore has more catches at 51, not as many yards. Again, Hopkins missed three games with a hamstring injury. And the overall production, not as eye-popping as it was when he first got united with Kyler Murray. The presence, though, makes the offense go. They do have other guys who can step up. James Conner has been a godsend for this team. We talked the other day, what a steal at a one-year, $1.75 million contract. He had nine catches for 94 yards the other night. So other guys are going to have to step up. But the one thing that is kind of nagging at all of us as it relates to the Cardinals, and this may be one of the reasons why they they don't get the respect that they think they should, you know, they lose when they get to those high-profile moments, the primetime games, lost to the Packers, lost to the Rams, and there's this nagging sense that when they get to the postseason, they're not going to be able to match the intensity because they have too many guys who haven't been there. Yeah. Even we talked about coaches. What? What? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury was a backup quarterback with the Patriots in their Super Bowl run in 2003. But what? What does he really bring bring to the table as it relates to experience? preparing for playoff games, self-scouting thyself when there's so much film out there about what you do and uh, the stakes are as high as they're ever going to be when it comes to whether or not you make that right decision at the right time, whether or not you have the right plan to go against that defense, to crack the code of that defense before they crack the code of your offense. Just a lot of questions about the Cardinals' ability to compete at that juncture of the season yeah no I mean you know you you break it down and you you think about their core players the main players and you go yeah there's not a lot of playoff experience there AJ Green with the Bengals you know had a you know a little run there Hopkins is one of the guys that I would imagine on the football team that's probably played in the most playoff games because of his time in Houston so he'd be the one that could kind of you know warn the team for what's coming and the intensity level that you know needs to be for for that type of matchup and hey, nonetheless, again, the stats are a little underwhelming, except that one area, you know, and it's a big area. Touchdowns, touchdowns. It is hard. Eight touchdowns for that limited amount of catches is a remarkable number. And I think that just tells you, too, again, he's the guy that you get around the 20 yard line. We don't have to settle for field goals because we can throw it up to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he came back, right, a, a few weeks or two weeks ago, first drive of the game. You know, I think we talked about it against the Bears. He wasn't even out there for warm-ups. Oh, it's fourth and two, first drive of the game. Let me throw it up the right sideline. Hopkins will go get it. Boom, he gets a touchdown. You know, it's hard to have guys like that. You know, and touchdowns as compared to field goals are a big thing in the NFL. And uh, that that's, you know, a, a little bit of a leg chopped out from the Cardinals there without him in there. 
And they still have to worry about possibly yielding the division title. Yeah, they're not out of the, the woods Rams. yet. We've just, right. we've just assumed yeah. it's going to be Cardinals, Packers, Bucks, and Cowboys. And of those four teams, the one that's in the most tenuous situation by far is the Cardinals. That, that game the other night went a long way toward tightening things up Definitely. and putting a lot of pressure on the Cardinals to win down the stretch. And now they're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins. It could be. Cardinals at Cowboys rematch of a week 17 game that we're going to see Cardinals at Cowboys that could be the wild card game the way it's going it's not going to take much for the Rams to overtake the Cardinals but it looks like they're going to have to overtake them I mean tiebreakers could get a little crazy they may have the same division record obviously they split the head-to-head matchup they may go three four deep on the tiebreakers to figure that one out if they finish with the same record but they just have a one game cushion now and the Rams looking like the team that they expected to be when yeah. they splashed the pot with Eddie KGB back in early November. Teddy KGB. Freddie KGB. <laughs> I was going to say, Betty did you say KGB. Eddie? Okay, I was going to say. Yeah, we're trying yeah. all the different KGBs because right. you made him Freddie KGB the other day. <laughs> yeah. You got to remember uh, our bits. I know. I, I remember. I just was wondering how long, how long down the, uh, the list you were going to go there. Actually, it was on TV last night in the movie channels on DirecTV. I was... Uh, Teddy KGB was on there. I turned it over right when Matt Damon lost all his money and he was all scared to go home and the Kanish was going to drive him home. So it's a great scene. It really is. But hey, yeah, there's still a lot of meat left on the bone as far as the NFC West concerned. You know, yeah, you talk about Arizona. They got the Colts. They got the Cowboys still on the schedule. Not going to be easy. The Rams still got the Ravens. They got the 49ers. And even even your great Minnesota Vikings are on their schedule. We know that won't be Shut easy. Up. So, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's still a, a long way to go in that division for sure. We got we to take a break, but I'm curious about something. Did you just stumble across rounders and – and leave it on the channel? Did you see it was going to be on and you decided to watch it? How did you end up watching it on DirecTV last night? Well, because it's like, you know, the, the 500s are the movie channels, right? So I just sit there and it, I, was, I was eating a bowl of chicken and rice soup, all right? It was very delicious. The wife made a salad and I did that and I was just sitting there and the kids were kind of in the room and I just go through the movies. I was like, hey, well, I, maybe we should put a Christmas movie on, but I was looking at the movies and Rounders is one of those movies that if it's on, I'm going to click on it to see what scene it's at because there's, to me, like four or five scenes in that movie where you just go, I don't care that I haven't watched the rest. This is an amazing scene. I'm going to watch it. It's one of those movies, so that's how I kind of stumbled on it. I'm just curious because, I mean, that's the way it used to be for now. I never I know. channel surf for movies. If there's a movie I want to watch, I'll figure out which streaming service it's on. And I'm I'll overwhelmed by the streaming services. I'm overwhelmed by it. I can't even lie. I, I really you know. What, you, know what I, you know what I watched last night on Peacock? What? You know what I watched? What? How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> I saw it. I did. Uh, I, we got on our Apple TV and the Grinch Stole Christmas came up, but I thought about you last night. That's great. That's awesome. Good. Good for you. Get in the spirit, kid. <laughs> it wasn't as good as I remembered. I hate to say that, but there were moments where it just kind of brings it all back from when you're a kid and you watched it. But that, what we were talking about it yesterday, so, that was the <laughs> moment. You had a half hour per year. Right. It was on one time, kids. Right. Play the piano music. <laughs> it was on one time. You couldn't tape it. You couldn't record it. You couldn't stream it. You couldn't watch it on your phone. Back in my day. You had to sit in front of a cathode ray tube. So, 
So it was encased in wooden plastic, made to look like it was actual wood. Uh, along That's those what you lines, had to do. along those lines, Mr. Grinch. Okay, <laughs> is so I turn on Miracle on 34th Street, right? The original, like the original Natalie Woods, the the little girl in it, right? And I turn it on, and of course it's black and white. It's it's good quality. I mean, it's it, it looks almost high definition. But I turn it on, and my little boy goes, "Oh, no way, no way, no way! I'm not watching a movie like this. These these old movies. I'm not doing that." And I just chuckle, and I was like, "Okay, I, I get it. I understand." So uh, we found something else. <laughs> I've never really watched or enjoyed Miracle on 34th Street, but I think of black and white, and I think of It's a Wonderful Life. It was on NBC a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's a Wonderful a Life. Show. It's just one of those where, like, I, I didn't really watch it and appreciate it until I was in my 20s. I right. remember, like, seeing right. flashes of it on TV and and uh, Jimmy Stewart running around doing things, but but that that's one that you you need to carve out time and yeah, watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. I You're right. Classic. Nice. Classic. Reaffirming and and nourishing movie experience. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take a break. When we return, Roger Goodell weighed in yesterday, press conference at the conclusion of the league meeting regarding the situation in Washington. We'll discuss that. That is that a little Christmas music on the way out? We'll, we'll discuss something meatier than Christmas shows when PFT Live continues. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 